welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Robert Band. He's currently the VP in commercial insurance in Assured Partners, the fifth largest PNC broker in the U.S. He protects real estate companies from losses and illuminates emerging issues. And as a former CRE CFO, he helps measure and lower costs of risks and balances the retained risks within your risk tolerance. Robert, welcome to the show. And how are you doing today? I am great. Rolling along, singing a song. Nice to see you and be with y'all. <laughs> nice to see you too, Robert. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. So Robert, can you give us a little bit of an insight into who you are and what your current focus is in real estate? Of course. Well, originally I was a CPA and then a longtime CFO, including 12 years in real estate as, as a CFO develop, of developer. And now I do risk advice for the real estate industry. That's all I do. And I like to bring insight into a very arcane and cryptic part of your businesses, which is insurance. I, as a CFO, never read my policies. I thought I managed insurance well, but there turns out to be a lot more to running and managing insurance and buying it than I ever knew. So I try to open the kimono and illuminate concepts, practices, best practices, and how to get the best coverage and the best rate. It's a balance between the two. You don't want to buy insurance and not be covered and, and not have your claims paid. So it's a delicate balance. And there's a art and science to going to market and getting that insurance. And I would just add, insurance is the last stop on the train. Before you even get to insurance, if you take the total risk facing you as a developer or syndicator, and you say, all right, well, let me peel off some of that risk. Let me lay off some of that to my tenants and subcontractors and contractors by way of contractual language. So those are indemnification language and being additional insured on their liability policy. Then there's operating risk, which is you as an operator doing everything you can to identify what could go wrong and mitigate it, whether it's slip and falls or kitchen fires or any potential losses, that's operating risk. And so that's we help a great deal through our various experts in-house mitigate and transfer that risk. And at the end of the train is insurance. So when you decide how much you risk you want to retain versus insure, then we help go out and get the right coverage and limits and premiums. When you left your role as a CFO and joined in and jumped in as on the insurance side of things for commercial real estate, what was the biggest concept that you know was really surprising to you as you were getting into that side of the business that you didn't consider or you didn't really think about as a CFO? Well, I was like most buyers. I had a broker, good broker. 
I didn't. I never had a claim, thank goodness. But, but I never saw the submission going out to the carriers. So I would be like most of insurance buyers. I would get an application. They'd say fill out the application. I would fill it out. A lot of those questions are cryptic, and I don't know how to answer them. So I would say, what do I? How do I answer that? And they'd say, don't worry about it, just leave it. And it always struck me as odd that how could you leave some answers blank? It turns out that those applications do need to be filled in completely and accurately if you want the best deal. And I would even add, when you see these insurance apps that you're asked to fill out, those are very good checklists of what the carriers are looking for. They're asking the questions and then you could say, oh, I don't have that. Well, I should implement that. Perfect example is, do you require your subcontractors to indemnify you and to insure you? That's on virtually every application. So there's a plethora of analytics that goes into submitting an account to the market. There is a lot of strategy, the analytics give way to strategy because for example, if you have a history of very low losses, but you have a low deductible, you could probably save some premium by upping your deductible, knowing that your loss history is good. So the premium that you may save may exceed any small amounts of losses in the future. Another, so it's a lot of data analytics that we put our analytics department through. Nowadays, replacement cost, accurate replacement cost is a huge focus of, of carriers. Why? Because they earn premium on the total insured value. And if they're insuring replacement costs, they want to collect premium on accurate replacement costs. So we help, we have access to much, uh, many databases, including public databases such as uh, building permits. So we can tell when the last plumbing, electrical, roofing improvements were made. We can help clients with that data that they otherwise cannot access. We can model crime, wind, hail, fire, et cetera. So I never saw any of this modeling, any of these analytics. I never saw any written narrative or executive summary by my broker that's going to go tell the story to underwriters. And right now, there are two large problems facing real estate owners. One is capacity, the ability to get the limits they want to insure their property. And the other is there's a large underwriting underwriter shortage. So if you're going to get the attention of a good underwriter, it has to be a stellar submission. They won't spend time on some shoebox of a, you know, with a bunch of papers and loose, random uh, reports and such. It has to be well put together, and then a good broker will strategize, slice and dice. Which way is best? Is it a master policy? Is it more of a mosaic approach? And then tell the underwriter, here's what we want. We want this limit. We want this rate. We want this coverage. So I never saw any of that. But this is what I, as a former buyer, bring to the table is 
educating my clients and anybody who's willing to listen and making them better insurance buyers. Because this is really what it takes nowadays. It's not the old historic traditional ways of buying insurance and you fill out the app, you give it to the broker, it's not going to get it done. So now if you're a buyer looking and you're shopping around for the best rates, working with the best types of people, what are some of the things that you need to be aware of as you're shopping and working with different insurance companies and brokers and advisors? Well, in this market with a shrunken number of insurance carriers and within those that are willing to insure even shrunken capacity. So they're all taking lower limits. And now we're having to build towers of multiple carriers to get the right uh, limits. It means that you must have a broker that you trust that has reach, that cultivates relationships with underwriters who will do favors and solve problems for us. You as a buyer could insist on seeing the work of your broker the broker ought to, in fact, engage you before they go to market. They should say, look at what we put together for you. Does this sound right? You should see the work. You shouldn't just fill out an app and see a quote sometime later. There, You should be on an annual timeline that sets forth who does what when, because if you wait too late in this market, it's going to be difficult to get your placement. So you need to start 120 days out. Your lender requirements should be analyzed and, and spread so that you could determine what limits you need for property liability, what deductibles, et cetera. The broker needs, obviously, the lender information. They, they can do all the certificates timely. A lot of this work needs to be done before renewal season. So it's a process, and I would analyze the broker's process. I would interview them. You just want to see that they do have a process, that they're fully staffed, they're not short-staffed, that they have specialists that do different parts. Uh, you know, In our case, we have builder's risk specialists. We even have certificate of insurance specialists. That's all they do. We have property and liability specialists. So I think that specialization goes a long way. Somebody who does this all day, every day, and when they submit something to an underwriter, the underwriter loves them. Why, do, why would an underwriter love us or, or any broker? Because we put data in the format that they want it in their spreadsheets. We literally underwrite and spoon feed them so that they have to do less. They will do their own modeling. However, they will respect a really strong submission that cut, you know, they could look at an executive summary and right away say, this is not for me. I don't, I don't do wood frame or it's too old or it's, it's in a location we don't write. So we're not, we want to not waste their time. These are some of the things that as a buyer, you want to consider. And one of the things I would think about also is, you know, and especially in the commercial real estate space, when people are underwriting new deals, when operators are underwriting new deals, two of the biggest areas where people tend to overlook or maybe underestimate are taxes and insurance. So for since you're in the insurance area, 
for 2023 and the outlook of it, are there anything that's changing within the rates for insurance that we should be aware of or anything in the market that we should kind of know about? Yes, very much so. Uh, (laughs) It is going to be worse in 23 than it was in 22. The catastrophic climate-related losses from hurricanes, tornadoes, freezes, wildfires, it has a upward trend. It's more, it's more every year than the year before, generally. And the reinsurance markets negotiate with the insurance companies. And those negotiations in 2022 did not go well. So the reinsurers wanted a 30% increase in rate. That's the insurance the insurance companies buy to transfer risk off of their balance sheet. So the carriers are going to pass that on. There's less appetite for CAT, what we call CAT, C-A-T, catastrophic prone properties. So Florida, Texas, California, coastal properties and properties that are that have generally a lot of exposure to wind, hail, fire damage. So those premiums can go up for cat-exposed properties this year, 30 to 150%, depending on depending on exposure exposure to cat uh, markets like Florida and and, and Texas and uh, California and losses. So if there are losses, the increases will be more. So loss minimization is the name of the game. If you're not in cat-exposed markets, let's say uh, 15% plus or minus 5 on property insurance. Cyber insurance is going up 20%. I'm giving you average sort of consensus estimates. You know, the trend is not subsiding. It's expected that these kind of increases or this hard market in property estate will continue through 2024. So what it means is you have to kind of become a better buyer and do the things that I I spoke about earlier, and you must minimize the losses. So if you don't have kitchen fire stops or fire averts, look into the latest technology. If you have old roofs, now this is another trend. Roofs, not all carriers are insuring roofs for replacement costs. They're doing that on younger and younger roofs. So they will say, we'll give you actual cash value instead of replacement cost for roofs older than 15 years. And now I've seen some that are actual cash value on roofs that are over 10 years. So my point about roofs is make sure that they are strong, secure, do not maintain old patchwork roofs that need to be replaced. Now, actual cash value is replacement cost value, less depreciation. The problem with actual cash value is you don't know at the time you bind how much that would pay out. That's going to be adjusted at the time of loss. Some wind hail event rips a roof apart, adjuster goes out, comes back and says, we'll pay you this. And it's not going to be replacement cost if it's actual cash value as the valuation method, which means the insured is going to be paying part of the roof replacement. So that sort of 
leads to another good point, which is retention, which is how much risk insureds are retaining. So you retain risk by deductibles because you're paying the first dollars out up to that limit. There are sub limits where you know you might have 10 million in total insured value, but a $250,000 sublimit for a particular risk. There are exclusions, which means if it's an exclusion, that means it's on you, the insured. So looking at the amount of, of, insur- of, of retention that you're retaining, and actual cash value is even another one, because if you're going to get 60 or 70% of replacement costs, the other 30 or 40 is going to be out of your own balance sheet. So I think as a former CFO, it's important to look at how much is this retention and how are you going to pay for it if something happens? Real estate lenders require replacement reserves and that's part of your mortgage payment and you build up that reserve which is fine in case, but it's generally not the amount that you'll pay out if there's a a high deductible or actual cash value type of thing. So if you've got, let's say, a $10 million property and you have 5% wind hail, that's a $500,000 exposure if there's a total loss. Now, where that money comes from, it may come from your you create a reserve at closing, or you build it up, or you do a capital call, or some other thing. But that's something that I think is important to contemplate in this this environment where the insurers, not only they're raising rates, but they are shifting more retention onto insurance. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And what about the underwriting itself? Are the requirements and the properties that insurers are looking to provide coverage for, is that process becoming more stringent as well? For sure, particularly, let's say, replacement costs. So a lot of insureds will have their properties at $95 per square foot replacement cost. Carriers are looking for north of 130 140 So they're going to push back. If you submit an SOV, a statement of values, with low replacement costs because you want to save money, number one, they're going to push back. Number two, even if they agreed, at that replacement cost, if that's your limit, you're going to be underinsured. So do you want to be underinsured? So I understand the need, especially for affordable housing, to minimize premiums. Everybody wants the lowest premium. 
but you also want to be insured. In other words, whatever retention that you retain needs to fit your risk tolerance and your ability to pay. One more thing I would add, if you own an old property, right, you bought something that is 100 years old that you would never rebuild. Let's say you bought a warehouse, old warehouse, and you're going to redevelop it into multifamily with ground floor retail one day. And you just have an interim use for five years. You put a tenant in there. If that burns down and you know you're not going to replace it, then you don't need replacement cost insurance. Actual cash value is going to be cheaper. And that may be the way to go. So here's a little bit of the advice and the strategy that you need from a broker. So what is one of the biggest mistake insurance buyers typically make then? I think they default to the traditional way of being a buyer. I just bought a new property or I'm buying a new property and here's the address and I need insurance. And then the broker asks, well, I need the statement of values filled out and maybe it's filled out completely. There's a lot of questions that underwriters want in there. It is painful. We can help because of our analytics department and we can draw data into that. But I think incomplete, inaccurate data is a big mistake. You need to understand your exclusions. What's excluded? Murders, rapes, assaults, stabbings, shootings, assault and battery, pollution. There's a lot of exclusions that are generally put in a policy. A good broker is going to push back on as much as possible. But it's really important that you understand that. So you don't have to necessarily know every word of your policy, but ask your broker, okay, I want to know my exclusions, my sublimits. I want to know all the exposure I'm left with. And because if something is excluded, there are endorsements that could be added for additional money if it's important to you. So so I would say probably buyers need to spend more time, a little more time. And I would say that while insurance is painful to learn and deal with, the more you understand, the more fun it gets. So, you know, that's the good news is just like anything, the more we know, the easier it becomes. So it's ask, ask, ask. When you get a renewal quote, have the broker line up expiring coverage and rates and exclusions and uh, all of the meaningful particulars, actual cash value versus replacement costs, et cetera, to the renewal. Line it up apples to apples. What, What did I have before? What am I getting now? And you'll see you'll see the carriers are pushing more risk onto you in in 2023. That's the trend. So higher deductibles, et cetera. So I would say, give it a little more time, even though it's not interesting and it's hard to understand, really become informed. And if their broker is rush, rush and not willing to explain, then get a new broker. When you're dealing with new brokers or when you're shopping around, what is the 
best question to ask a broker to quickly identify whether or not they are well seasoned in the space or whether they might be a right fit for you. When you're shopping around and you're working with new brokers in the space, what is one question that is critical to ask in order to determine whether or not the broker is well-seasoned in the space and, and right for you? I mean, there's probably multiple questions, but is there one in particular that stands out? Well, I think you want to interview them. You want them to do a presentation to you. You want to hear from their top people that are going to be on your account. So there's property insurance experts, liability insurance, and builder's risk. So you want to hear and be impressed that these are seasoned veterans that have been in the war and, and know what they're doing. And, and that there's a team, a big team, you know, specialists that are going to be there and turn around quotes, certificates, and things in a, in a timely manner that they're going to answer your call and say, Hey, I got your email. I'm on it. I'll get back to you. You want to be heard. You want service. And that takes management who has built a team and that team is adequately staffed to be able to do it. And then size, I think, you know, how much do they do with, you know, is it a big a brokerage firm that does billions in, in business with underwriters? Different broker sizes put different volumes through different underwriters. And I think if you have a really good insurance company, but you're not getting great service from the broker, you could transfer to another broker who becomes the broker of record for that that coverage. So you can change if you're getting service that's not to your liking, and you're worried that the carrier is going to go away if you change brokers. You should ask, and and in in most cases, the carrier will go with the new broker because the the broker does business with them. You asked um, what what's one of the biggest mistakes in this market where there's fewer and fewer carriers. Having more than one broker go out and get quotes is not the way to get the best deal because there's not enough markets to divvy up and ask. You know, nowadays, depending on larger portfolios, it takes multiple carriers to build the limit. It's called a tower or a stack. So it's really the relationships that broker has with with carriers and the expertise to be able to line up those limits and reach the market. And if, and by the way, if you had multiple brokers, the carrier is going to give the quote to the first one that goes to that carrier. So that may or may not be the best broker. To me, the best broker is relationships with carriers, it's market reach, it's a a service process by which the broker walks you as a buyer through the year and gets your attention when it needs to. Hey, Aileen, I'm not sure that you don't have a hired a non-owned auto. You declined it, but I'm concerned about that. And then draws you into a conversation because they know you need it. You could always check references, talk to clients of different brokers. So these are some of the ways I would do it. But I I would do it like you would do any other professional. You're going to hire a new accountant. It may come through a referral or you may interview a few. 
lawyers. I mean, basically, we're like a lawyer. We're going and representing you to the world of carriers, and we need to tell your story accurately and convincingly. And we need to know our stuff in order to push back either on lender requirements or coverage restrictions or exclusions. Those are some of the things. Thank you so much, Robert. And so for our listeners out there who want to find out more about what you're doing and reach out, where's the best place that they can go? Well, I'm at robert.band, B-A-N-D, like rock and roll band, at assuredpartners.com. And my phone is 305-467-5909. And I will tell you also that I uh, Assured Partners being the fifth largest property and casualty broker in the country, we're in all 50 states. We insure property all over the country. So we can, I can advise and we can advise wherever your properties are. So that's how you can reach me. And if we have an upcoming webinar that I think is a don't miss webinar, and if you want an invitation to it, you can email me. It is the future of property insurance for real estate owners. And three of the preeminent brokers in the country are going to be on that podcast, including uh, our senior most and, and, uh, She's our real estate vertical lead who just passed that baton on to another leader. But she has created our real estate vertical. So she's our top individual. I would highly recommend that you all tune into that. It's a week from this coming Tuesday, whatever that is. I think that's the 6th, maybe. But I can can share that uh, invitation if you want it. Awesome. Robert, thank you so much for all of your time today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Hope it helps. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.